All right. Blaze, blaze, blaze. <laughs> Normally we are separated on the couch. Uh, but I thought the bonus pot I did with AJ a few weeks ago was so much fun. I was like, you know what? Maybe yeah. uh, we'll bring Blaze on here and all of his hilarious jokes. Yeah, maybe get someone on here that doesn't know hockey as well as AJ. It sounds great. So let's go. Right, yeah. right. Somebody you can yeah, just, just dominate in this conversation. Love yeah. it. <laughs> really, this is just going to be me talking. I brought Blaze to listen. <laughs> uh, no, but as as was the case a couple weeks ago, man, like we just we're all hockey people. There's a lot of hockey yeah. that goes on. And this is like one of the few times a year you actually can be dialed into like most of what's happening. Uh, on a given night and there's just a lot of stuff to talk about and we like talking about it and instead of wasting all that uh i thought we'd put it on camera again and yeah. record it and release it to the masses uh because it's playoffs and why not and we got uh, a day off right now no hockey today no hockey no yeah. basketball today How i didn't know crazy. what to watch <laughs> i seriously i got home from uh practice uh and then we did the show we get done with all that in the uh series previews and all that and i go downstairs i don't know what to turn on like i don't know what <laughs> i don't know what to have on the tv like even just like in the background i was like i've, I've like had my mind made up for me so much for the last two weeks <laughs> oh i know you're so and, spoiled it's just every night it's just like oh cool i'm just gonna veg out and just watch hockey well in the way that they split it up this year there was really good games on every night like there was a series of interest every yeah. night and even the ones that i thought were gonna end up sucking which were gonna be the west coast dallas and uh edmonton like they both ended up going seven games <laughs> jake ottinger played ridiculous that so did crazy. you watch that overtime yeah yeah i mean dallas game. had a few chances there where it was like they could have won i i think they rang one off the post i mean they yeah. they had some chances at that Dallas team, man, it's such ugly hockey. It's that grind up and down the boards. Like, it's just gross to watch, but it's so effective against, like, high-powered offensive teams when you just yeah. don't let them have any space in the middle of the ice and just, like, yeah, let's go to the corners and fight it out. Well, so, dude, I was watching that. <laughs> I I, uh, I was laughing because I was having flashbacks to the bubble, and I was like, are these sons of bitches gonna do this again are they seriously gonna come out and upset the flames and then do the same thing to edmonton in the second round and then i was like there's no way are they really gonna do this to the abs again and we're gonna end up with a tampa dallas final again because they just oh. slog the middle slog is slog a word yeah sure let's go with it sludge yeah blaze it's so ugly but I mean, I, I thought they were going to pull it off for real. I, I, I was surprised Calgary came back. Yeah, I mean, once it went into overtime, right, that's – you just never know when it goes to overtime. Like, it's anybody's game. You you get a tough break. You, you saw it with the pens, right? Like, yeah, you just get a tough break and it's it's over. And, you know, sometimes the better team loses. So. Well, uh, who was it? Oh, L.A. Uh, the – what was it? Game – Five, LA and Edmonton. Game Edmonton five, had, yeah, yeah. Edmonton had just taken it to them all night long. Yeah, they they came back. We're just pressing, 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 pressing. They got into overtime, and you could even tell LA was skating around like we have ten minutes worth of gas. <laughs> Use all of it and try to get a goal, and they did. And like 
Yeah. Edmonton, Edmonton probably deserved to win that game, but that was a crazy like series. I actually had LA winning that series. So I was like, when it went to game seven, I, I figured the Oilers were going to win it. I just wanted to, you know, be the guy that goes against uh, the Oilers yeah. just because of Oiler <laughs> well, Nation. <laughs> dude, I can't stand them. So I went to high school with this kid. I mean, like, nice kid. There's nothing wrong with, like, him. But he was this huge Oiler fan. And when I was in high school, <clears throat> when I was uh, junior, senior, was when they were really, like, hitting well, – I graduated in 2011 – so I think that's cute. I think they, I know I didn't want to bring that up. I didn't want to say that, but I had to for context. Cause it was right around the time when they were getting all their um, first overalls. And he was just always such a tool about it, about oh, that they, yeah. they, you know, they got first and, Oh, we got Taylor Hall and Oh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And, blah, blah. and they just all kept sucking. And it was always, I always loved it because Oilers fans just seemed so entitled. Yeah. To you know, because of all you know, they 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 never had to draft Wayne Gretzky. He just signed there, and you know they had you know yeah. the eighties and all that shit. And it just drove me nuts that they just fell backwards into Connor McDavid because they were just so bad for so long. I mean, a lot of people thought the draft was rigged <laughs> because it was just like every year you're like, dude, sweet Oilers are going to get the number one overall pick, or you know, you're just like, this is ridiculous. So. But they just well, they couldn't then, make it work. Yeah, it was well, and, and honestly, what's crazy is I still don't really feel like they have. But the lottery, I remember the Connor McDavid one. There was all that controversy because I think two, I think two balls went up the shoot, and when they do that, they, they there is a rule that they have to discard one. And take the, you know, whichever one it is, they have to take the first one or they have to take the second. I don't remember what the rule is, but the second one was the one that landed for the Oilers. And the first one would have been, I think, for like Buffalo or something. And I saw that and I was like, yep, I knew it. I knew it. They rigged it. And then like the explanation came out after. But dude, I was so sick of it. <laughs> is that why they don't like show the the whole like picking up the the balls now like did you see like afterwards they released it from this year like you, you no, watched so, the show so, right the draft show yep yep so that's why they have to release the thing or the, they, yeah. they have to release a video and then if stuff like that happens they have to like put something out saying on this draw it, it pulled a double whatever and per yeah. a.c c whatever but yeah no it's it's uh i don't know the, the whole show <laughs> they do <laughs> yeah yeah let's just talk about that feels... the gm <laughs> <laughs> yeah it just kind of feels uh i don't know it's just like really low budget and like they used to bring the <laughs> into the studios and sit them on those tiny little stools yeah now and, it just looks uh, like it's like uh like ransom from a terrorist group <laughs> like hey gm sit down here there's a guy holding a gun off screen like right you're you got to sit here through this whole thing <laughs> well, and, and, and they do nothing with them. They just they just show their live feed for three seconds after their team's card is pulled. And it's like, if you're gonna make this into a show, like you might as well interview yeah. them, do something with them, other than just have them sit there. Half that would smiling. be awesome, right? You have all the GMs yeah. 
on a Zoom and just like ask questions to guys and let them have conversations, it'd be pretty interesting. I mean, those guys, I mean, the the hockey knowledge that they have, it's oh, not like dude. they just like fell backwards into those roles, right? Like they know so much about the game. It's like, let them do it just so that there's a little bit of like, understanding of what a GM goes through, right? Like, I, I right, think a lot right, of people right. don't understand the pressure that's put on a GM. So yeah, it just, it'd be cool the, to just, like, humanize them a little bit. Right. The The whole production has just always felt so rushed. And it's like, you have everyone there. You might as well do something with them instead of just have them sitting in the locker room. <laughs> but, 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 Edmonton, yeah. L.A. Uh, <clears throat> I don't remember what we were saying there. But, yeah, it ended up being a, a really good series. And... I just, I don't know. There was part of me that wanted to see LA win just because like we were saying, they just couldn't put it together with all those first round picks. And I don't know. I still think given the fact that they have McDavid and Dreisaitl, the final product that they have put together year after year, it's like, how do you mess this up this bad when you have two players that are that good? And I guess yeah. the point of all this was they've been, they've been doing this for 10 years. <laughs> they just haven't been able to put a team together that's like i mean they're so offensive minded as well right like that's that's the downfall of them and that's where i i felt like with that matchup with the kings like the people that are still with the kings organization have an understanding of how to win and how to get through tough games like they've been through these like you know coming in at low seeds and beating higher seeds like they they know yeah. what it takes and you could kind of see it as it started out it's like they would never felt out of the game. Like they would get down, but they would claw themselves back into right. those games. And yeah. you just felt like, I mean, is the oil going to be able to, you know, match what's going on? And luckily Connor McDavid, that game seven, he came out and yeah, just credit to set him for the sure. president. Oh, I mean, the first shift he went out there and ra like railroaded somebody. And then like, yeah. you knew it was on from him. Like, that's awesome to see from a guy like that who, you know, a lot of times is like, he, he plays a finesse game. He's not physical. And it's like, he came to play in that game seven. Yeah. He was engaged. Remind like uh, that Claude Giroux Pittsburgh Penguins. I think it was like 2010 or something like that. That shift where he opening shift goes out and runs through Crosby scores a goal, yeah. you know, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's funny because of how good he is. I think you're right. Like he did kind of have that reputation of, or he does his one game, not to get like carried away, but like, yeah, he, I think this is the second time he's gone on to the second round after six or seven years in the league already, which is also crazy, which brings me back around to something else that I wanted to talk about. And you're, this is another thing you're going to laugh at me for, but like, there's so many players that are starting to retire and it's getting really upsetting because this is like the first wave of like real big name superstars that were like yeah. my generation of superstars that are starting to retire. <laughs> oh, here just, we go it's, again. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just really upsetting. Uh, Cause you know, like now they're talking about Bergeron and, yeah. and it sounds like maybe, you know, Bergeron may be done after this season uh, you know, dust. I mean, not that Dustin Brown's like a superstar, but again, you know, prominent name from this last well, well, era. Did you see what he posted on Twitter? Is just like him hoisting the cup was his last Twitter post that I saw. I mean, I don't get a lot of mm -hmm. feed from him, but like that's kind of like you know, 
ominous like signs of uh i might be retiring yeah. after this oh like, no he announced it he announced it he's oh, done did he? okay yeah oh, i didn't see that yeah, oh, yeah so he's done yeah so he's done yeah bergeron who's the other one um and i gets uh yeah. and you know you, you, Getsy, you just... it's time for getsy <laughs> yeah <laughs> he he was someone in the last probably like two years ago like the bubble year you know, before we knew it was going to be the bubble year, that was a guy that I always thought was really interesting. That like could have been a great when the abs were still looking for some center depth down the lineup. Mm-hmm. I was always so interested in if he was going to be willing to move. And he talked about that recently on a podcast somewhere and how, like, I guess he told the, for the last couple of years, he told the Anaheim management, like if you find something that like legitimately makes us better, and it's and it's a good situation for me. I'll go. Like, yeah, yeah. Obviously, nothing ever happened. But I don't know. He he was someone who was really good, and then the cliff just seemed really steep. Yeah, it it happened quick. And I mean, it's just one of those big physical guys that's played that game his whole life. I mean, he's he's got a lot of skill, but he has that physical game that that wears on a guy. And as you get older, as I know. Um, it wears on <laughs> you real quick. You, you lose that step and you know, it's, it's, it's brutal. Like it's, it's hard when you start getting a little bit older and you're playing hockey and there's guys flying out there and you're like, Oh, I remember when I used to be able to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Game. <laughs> you know, you got to think the game a little bit more than those young guys do. And that's what he did. But again, like the talent level now that you're starting to see from the young guys that are coming out, it's, I mean, on his you know, team, you can on see his own team. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it is, it's, and then you're, you're seeing a lot of older guys, like you're, this is probably the first wave too, where you're starting to see big names that are going to start hitting free agency as well. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that's another thing that you're going to start seeing. Dude, nobody, nobody is talking about the fact that I think Malkin's done. I think he's a Malkin is a free agent. Yep. He is. And and it really, like, it does not sound like he's going to be sticking around. Oh really? Yeah, like, and and I think it's just one of those things. Well, I, and I guess I shouldn't say that. I guess I shouldn't fully say that. But it just—it doesn't sound like it's a surefire. He's definitely coming back. I guess it's just kind of there's a few things up in the air. He's got a an offer, but it, it's just—it's just an interesting situation. Uh, Crosby, three more years. You know, Vetchkin just re-signed. Um, and I was going to say, when you were talking about Getzloff, like, that's part of what makes Ovechkin so impressive, even more impressive. He's yeah. always been physical like that, and he hasn't, you know, the and the wall will come eventually. Um, but the fact that he's been able to play the way that he has for this long is... Yeah, I would put crazy. those two players in different categories, though. Like, Getzy is a great, great oh, player. Oh, oh for wrong, sure, but... for sure, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, let's talk about the pens real fast, though. Um, yeah. Is it finally time for the rebuild, right? Like, you have Malkin, who's on free agency. I believe Chris Letang also I becomes a free right. agent this year, unrestricted free agent. Uh, yep. Rust is another free agent this yep. year. I don't know if he'll go anywhere. Do you think they – I mean, is it – have they finally decided like we need to go full rebuild? Well, I mean, or do you think they still think they have a window even without? I mean, so let's say they don't sign those two guys. I, I know I've heard them say 
Uh, so it's going to be it's Malkin, Rust, uh, Ricard Raquel, Evan Rodriguez, Brian Boyle, Chris Letang, uh, and Nathan <laughs> Belleu. All all unrestricted. Yeah. So what's so I, I know they've always kind of had the philosophy of if we've got Crosby and Malkin, we'll we'll keep going for it. But again, Malkin UFA. And I don't know if you want to let him go for nothing. And, and maybe they re-sign him and, and I, you know, make too big of a deal. But you you you're getting to a point where it's like, mm, well, you don't you're getting close to not having Malkin and Crosby. To me. This year, they pulled the Rangers in the first round. And in a situation where they don't have everything go wrong and they get down to their third goalie and Crosby misses two games, <laughs> um, you know, they they probably win that series. But to me, that was like, this is the perfect path for you, given your roster, given where this team is at. I thought they were set up nicely for one last run where I thought if they got out of the first round, yep. uh, like we were talking about a minute ago, they're just a veteran team who's been there before. Uh, you know, uh, we were talking about with LA. I couldn't think of who we were talking about with. <laughs> who, who, you know, can understands how they have to change their game the later they go. And I said they just need to get out of the first round, and they pulled the perfect team to do that with. The team that is has analytical flaws all over the place. They're, they're not very deep. Uh, and, and it looked like Shesterkin had run out of gas. And I said, they're going to do yeah. it. And I said, and watch us end up with an, uh, an abs pens final. And we get a, <laughs> a Crosby McKinnon showdown. Uh, be, because they, you know, they just, I thought this was their last chance to get a kick at the can. Yeah. And, and I just think you're coming into that territory where I think this year you could 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 start getting legitimate Crosby trade deadline conversation because if and I'm, this is going to be a, a crazy hypothetical I'm going to use the abs because you and yep. I are both sitting in Colorado and there's the obvious McKinnon connection yeah if you were going to try to sell off Sidney Crosby to recoup something for him before his contract comes up in a few years and everyone kind of decides it's time for the band to break up. You would probably want to sell two and a half years of Sidney Crosby versus every passing day after next deadline. You know what I mean? Like, and again, yeah. I'm not saying I don't, I'm, I'm not saying they'll trade him ever, but I'm just saying theoretically, I think you could start getting some of that media buzz this year this might be the first year that it makes sense to maybe start the season. Let's see what this group does, whoever we have back from UFA. And then at that halfway point, if it's obvious, yep, wheels are coming off. It's time to run this thing back. I think maybe you start exploring that if Sidney Crosby's interested. So you're kind of like the guy that likes to just pull that bandaid off on your like, arm there with all that arm hair just like slowly just to feel the pain and be like maybe 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 no no if it's good instead of just ripping because, that boy off and start because over. i'm trying to decide if i want to go through the extra pain of having the wound exposed 
<laughs> when it's pro- it probably could use a day more under the Band-Aid just to see if that's going to yeah. help anymore. It's like, uh, nah, still a little too wet. Still a little <laughs> bit too wet. And then, like, I wake up in the middle of the night, get a you know glass of water, notice the Band-Aid's half hanging off. It's like, ah, it's already half hanging off. Might as well just... I didn't feel the tear on the first half. It was so bad. Oh, I mean, I, th- I, you know, I'm kind of in the other camp of, I think they just need to start saying, see you so, later to some of these older you... guys. I mean, like you, you've got Malkin and he's still producing so well. I mean, the problem with mm-hmm. him is just he's injury prone, right? Like he misses like parts of years now, but when he's healthy, he's like a point per game player kind of, kind of guy. So it's like you, I, I mean, Nine and a half million dollars. Do you resign him, or do you get a, a younger version? Like, what can you get for nine and a half million dollars? Right, right, that's right. out there. So, are you are you of the opinion that if you feel you are out of Stanley Cup contention, you need to start retooling and changing what you're doing? Because I remember I always thought about that, and I mean, the people talked about it with the Minnesota Wild for years. I mean, honestly, they're probably still kind of there. We're just like, you're in the middle. You're good yeah. enough to make the playoffs. You're really not, you know, good or deep enough to contend. Uh, but you're also not drafting high enough to be like drastically improving your roster, uh, through, you know, through the prospect pipeline. But like teams do hold on because every now and then you get a St. Louis. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't happen often. Um, but like, so are you, are you, are you team? If you're, if, if you've, and this is after, after you've peaked, right? Because if you think you're building, you can't tear it down every year. So you're saying if you've peaked out and you feel that you have stepped off that ledge, no, no sense in just continuing on. I mean, with aging players, like if you look at that lineup and, like I don't, I don't know exactly what their age is versus other teams, but it's got to be up there because they've got some aging veterans on that team. Um, if you don't think that you can climb that hill anymore, I mean, what are you doing? You're just, you know, you're just basically delaying it to kind of selling tickets. Fan base. That's just, yeah, that's going to get more upset and more upset as yeah. they age, and then and then the question is like, why didn't we trade? You know, it's like rip off that bandaid and the fan base is going to be upset. But if you get good pieces, if you're a good GM, you got a good front office, you should be able with those pieces that you have in play. Like, obviously you have a UFA that could just walk. So that's nothing. You just get, yeah, I was going to say, so you can go out. Right. But with Sidney Crosby still having three years left on his contract. I mean, that's you, you could probably get a good return from, you know, some teams out there that are desperate for, selling tickets i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah now, i mean you know depending is crosby gonna want to go to a place like that Who knows? what do you think vegas gives up to get crosby <sighs> i don't know anymore like right they, they fired peter so i, I wonder what Dude. they're gonna be doing out there now um how do you how do you feel about that anyways i think it was time thing? yeah yeah the only the only thing that struck me as odd was why did they do it today? Why not two weeks ago? Yeah, you know what I mean. It's just, I mean, do we know weird. anything that's going inside of that organization? 
Like, yeah, it, yeah. Okay, so like, let's he, talk he, about I, being I, weird. I want to get your opinion on this because we talked about it a little bit on the normal pod yeah. today, I think. Yeah, today. You're Barry Trotz. Bill Foley calls you, owner of the Vegas Golden Knights, or Kelly McCrimmon, GM, and says, hey, we'd love to chat with you about, uh, you know, maybe taking over here in Vegas. Does Barry Trotz, knowing that he he'll get calls from 15 teams, does he even take that interview given just the way that things are around Vegas or is their roster good enough that you're like, yeah, I'll take that chance. I mean, I think you have a little bit of sway there, right? When you're basically looking for a job like that, like they want you, maybe you have other options. So it's like, how much, how much control am I going to have over decisions of players and things of that nature? Because like, I think from Barry Trotz, it's like, a slam dunk, right? A team that's headed south. If I go in there and turn that team around, I am the golden coach of the golden yeah. Vegas Knights, right? Yeah. You know, like, but it's how much power am I going to have to make that happen? Like, and you want to make sure that that's being clear, right? Like we saw this happen in Colorado where Patrick Waugh wanted to have a little bit more say in player decisions. And at that time, you know, he was given a little bit, but it was like this weird gray area where, you know, he he wanted decisions made that weren't being honored. And then he felt betrayed. Like it, it created this rift inside of, of the Colorado Avalanche front office. You definitely can't have that happen in Vegas right now. So it's like <laughs> you've got to be, you know, crystal clear on what you're going to get from a, a head coach. I think Barry Trotz would be awesome just because of his track record and what he can do with a team that he could turn that team around. But the talent think, that they have on it right now. Do you think, though, the only thing that, that comes to my mind is he likes to play kind of like what we were saying about Dallas. Very slow, very deliberate, very kind of, you know, just, just beat you to death. Yeah. And that's just very not Vegas. That's just very not what they've done. That's not like, the you know, the, the roster they have built doesn't really fit that. Yeah. Well, that's on you know, him, like, right? like, like it, can you it, see Jack Eichel playing, you know, a one three, you know, one three one or whatever? <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, like again, that that would be. I mean, I I know his track record is like that's what he likes to do. But being a, a head coach, you have to understand what pieces you have in play, and then the style of play you're gonna, you know, kind of make the makeup of the team. Um, yeah, that that is an interesting call there because it, it is like two different styles, but he, he's a good so, coach, man. I, I think he can get the best out of that team. And he, he just has that leadership that's probably needed inside the Vegas locker room right now. Jack Eichel yeah. and that guy, it's just like, wherever he goes, coaches are fired in his wake. <laughs> I'm sorry. It is one of those, like, no, it is. It is one of those things where like, I dated this girl years ago and I remember we only, we only dated for like six weeks, two months, something like that. And I remember at some point in there, she was telling me, she's like, yeah, I don't know. I keep like, uh, you know, whenever I meet a guy, we just like, don't get along. We end up screaming and fighting and arguing. And like, I just keep meeting all these assholes. And I was sitting there. I was like, 
there's a common denominator here. Right? <laughs> right, right. One thing that is the same in every single one of those scenarios. <laughs> and I'm talking to it. Like, it, like at a certain point, again, I'm not necessarily saying I'm sure Jack Eichel's a nice enough guy, whatever. For like, you do eventually. It was like, we, you had to do it with Matt Duchesne there for a minute. It's like, dude, every, like, every roster you show up on dies. What is happening? <laughs> and why is it following you around? Yeah, Jack Eichel, man, he's just hacking him down. I uh, I'm not a big Jack Eichel fine, uh, fan. Excuse me. I like I appreciate his game. Like he's a very talented hockey player, but just I followed him from U18s to where he is now, and he has grown up a little bit. But when he was younger, he had an attitude on him, and he liked to throw people under the bus. And you you see it peek out every now and then, right? Like the Buffalo when things aren't going their ways. Yeah, the Buffalo thing's fine, but it's just like those comments that he says, you know, when like reporters are asking him questions, and I know that can be annoying sometimes as well, but yeah, there's times where he throws people under the bus instead of just being like, it's on me. You know, like, I'm getting paid this money. I need to step up my game and not start throwing people under the bus That's that, that can't, like, speak for themselves. Right. Yeah, the... Uh, yeah... The the comments about the Buffalo fans, I don't know that that, oh, one, yeah. that one that one just annoyed me because, like I look like I bag on Matthew Shane more than most, uh, but like <laughs> I give you. the dude, <laughs> I, I, I give I give the guy a ton of credit, uh, because you know he he's had a thousand reasons that he could or a thousand excuses to take shots at Avs fans over the last couple of years. They have been yeah. pretty hostile towards him. I mean, they booed oh. every time he touched the puck in those two games in the, in the first round. Yeah. Uh, there was a, a multiple times a pretty prominent Matt Duchesne sucks chant that broke out. <laughs> yep. Oh, you could hear it on the broadcast. Yes. Oh, I'm sure. And yeah. and after the game, he gets asked about it, and he's like, well, they have really passionate fans. They were really great yeah. to in there here yeah. or when I was here, but – you know, I'm, I'm on the other side of it now and, and, you know, they're just supporting their team and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that dude could have so easily been like, no, I think it's completely, you know, ridiculous yeah. and disrespectful. And, you know, I poured my heart out here and I've, I never heard him treat anybody like that when I was here. And, uh, but it's just like, <laughs> dude, he, he understands how that, like Matt Duchesne understands how that all went and how it all looked you know, yeah. from, from the public eye. And he, you know, he just kind of rolls with the, I still got love for Colorado. If there are people don't like me, you know, it's all good. Well, I a, get it. Yeah. He's not a dumb kid either. Like that, that's the thing is like <laughs> a lot of people forget that these, you know, we we're, we're talking to these like guys that are 22, 23 year olds, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, you go back when I was 22, 23, I've said some dumb shit. I say dumb shit now, but like, but like, you right, right. learn and you understand like, Oh, okay. Maybe I should have like approached this situation different. Like the whole thing was like, Matt Duchesne was great when he got here. It was such a great story, right? Like they drafted him. He loved the avalanche. They showed a picture of his childhood room, which is just wall to wall avalanche stuff. Yeah, colors are even avalanche colors. It's like <laughs> awesome, you know? And then he comes in and he, he starts like understanding the game. He's, playing a pretty good game now you know he gets labeled as one of those guys that gets junk goals when it doesn't matter but he's producing points he's he's a, a bigger yeah. star in Colorado and then you start getting some of these younger guns coming in that 
you know, have the skill set that's a pretty even skill set that you see night after night. And he wanted out and he didn't approach it the right way. He kind of started, you know, saying things that he probably shouldn't have. And in the locker room, I guess it sounded like it, things weren't going very well. And he was kind of confrontational and that, that just rubbed wrong. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially in hockey and especially in Colorado, which, you know, it, you've got like role player guys that, you know, right. we kind of take shots at, but like Eric Johnson's a great role playing guy in the locker room and stuff. And yeah. when he comes out after the guy leaves and basically says, glad he's gone, you, you know, there's issues going on there, but right. he, he grew up, he grew up and he understands he's got a kid. He's got, you know, a wife, he's, he gets it now. And like, he's learning life. So. And so, then I take that back to what started this conversation, Jack Eichel. Yeah. And it's just like, he's not quite there yet. Cause not you, quite there. If, I mean, if you're, if you're him, you have to understand again, just, just how it, regardless of what the, the, the truth actually is. This is one thing that, again, I, I applaud about Matthew Shane, regardless of how it actually went, <clears throat> what he actually said, how much he said, I don't want to be here, whatever. Regardless, he understands, look, these are passionate fans. I yep. get why they would perceive it this way. I just kind of got to deal with it. Whatever, like you said, he grew <laughs> up. Jack Eichel, same kind of thing. It's like, regardless of what happened, there was actually a lot of people who were like very pro Jack Eichel in that whole situation. But you also have to understand, Buffalo's a very passionate hockey town. It's been bad for a long time. Yeah. And the way that it just kind of ended, you have to expect that. And I just, I, I don't know how we fully got down the Jack Eichel thing, but just really annoyed me the way that he kind of threw the temper tantrum. Oh, this is all about uh, the coach yeah. and Barry Trotz and how that, how that would kind of fit in with yeah. what, what we know Barry Trotz is, or I, mean, yeah. I don't know. I've never played for Barry Trotz, but what we know Barry Trotz to be. Yeah. His systems of play, right? Like what he right. likes to see out of his players. Uh, maybe yeah. it's not a good fit, but I don't know. I think Barry Trotz would probably look at that as like, cool, if I can get this out of the front office and I have this type of control, could be a fun one to kind of turn around because like you look at that franchise, it just, it started on top and now it's starting to slide a little bit. So it's like, if you can bring it back up, you are going to be, you know, the hero of Las Vegas. Well, and, and that maybe is something too, where it's like, it, it would pour some cold water on that whole situation. Like you bring in Barry Trotz, you can, you can have a year where it's not just chaos. There's people coming and going, you're going to yeah. lose some pieces in the off season. Uh, you know, you just, have to. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, and, and now it sounds like Mark Stone is having back surgery. So, you know, don't know yeah. what you're going to get from him next year. And just maybe having someone that's a little bit steadier, is exactly what they need. Yeah. I don't know. It, I, it's, I don't know. I, I was honestly surprised still that Barry Trotsky was fired in general, but I, I just thought that was a really weird. Well, and it's I guess crazy. Maybe like how me... the leaks, it's crazy how the leaks changed, right? Like it used to be like, you could have a few bad years and they gave you the grace of like, Hey, look, it's the ebbs and flows of hockey and talent coming in and out, and like learning new systems and stuff like that. And now it's just like, I mean, I think some of it just has to do with social media and the fans, like just being Dude, able seriously. to have access to people. It's like, I can't listen to my fan base 
say fire this guy for two years while we're trying to get it together, even though I believe it, I'm like, we just have to make a change. And it's crazy. It's just, it's change. You know, it used to be like seldom that coaches left their posts after like two, three year stints or four year stints. Now it's like, it's basically like you've got to put up or shut up right away or else you're, you're gone. Next guy Dude, I mean, there is there is all kinds of people calling for Jared Bednar to be fired after the forty eight point year. I mean, like, yeah, it was it was a historically bad year, but like, the, <laughs> the given the circumstances, that seems a bit harsh. Like, holy, especially smoke. that. Like, that's the year that basically he got handed the team <laughs> when right, two preseason weeks, two started. So, and but nobody gives him enough credit for that year too. Was that was the year that they did the World Cup? Yeah. So. All of his core guys, not only did he have two weeks with the team, all of his core guys showed up a week late. You yeah. know, Landy and McKinnon didn't get there till halfway through camp. Matt Duchesne played for Canada, who went all the way to the final. He didn't get there yeah. till preseason games had already started. Well, I think a lot of that, too, is like a lot of people didn't know who Jared Bednar was. If you don't follow hockey, if you don't follow right. AHL, like, you know, the lower leagues, like you've never heard of him. Um if you had, you were like, wow, this guy's track record is insane. Like he wins mm-hmm. at every level that he's at and he's finally getting a shot. Perfect time to bring him in. But yeah, it's, it uh, again, perfect example is like after that first year, people wanted him fired. And it's like, I mean, this guy didn't even get a, like a real shot at it. Like he was just given a team and it's like, figure it out. Um, and that well, was a team that was, I you know, in transition as well. So. Oh, for sure. Well, but I think yeah. you make a, a, a good point about uh, social media just because when you think about it, this is something I've, I talked to my mom about a bunch because she always says, Oh, things are so much worse now. I'm like, no, but you just are no. no now you get a notification <laughs> about how thing, how bad things are. Yeah. And so it is, it is just funny. Cause like it's, it used to be so easy for teams, businesses, whoever, to make decisions and never have to hear feedback about it if they didn't want to, if they didn't want to seek out a focus group or, you know, deliberate feedback. But now it's like, we'll tell you what we think all day, every day about every single thing all of the time. And you just can't, (laughs) your social media team can only be added so many times. (laughs) right well and then like yeah back in the day right like i don't want to make this like the back in the day pod but like the only way that the (laughs) gms like would start to figure it out was like when people started throwing jerseys on the ice was like (laughs) right right right. yeah like uh the fan base is upset you know booing after games um i've been to a few oiler games where the oilers crowd was booing their own team where it's just like (laughs) Unreal, hilarious, but unreal at the same time. That was another thing that became weirdly commonplace the last couple of years for a couple of those Canadian teams was there was jerseys on the ice every night. Yeah. Like, again, they used to be, a that was a big deal. Whoa, someone threw a jersey on the ice. There was a night in Edmonton like two seasons ago where there was like five jerseys on the ice. So these people are just <laughs> throwing 300 bucks away on a nightly basis. Yeah rich people i guess i mean those jerseys are crazy my my kid like wanted a jersey and he was like can you get me one i was like go look at the price tag and then let me know <laughs> well and the craziest part we can go too, like, yeah 
Adidas is like the cheapest they've ever been too. The yeah, they used two hundred twenty nine dollars. Mm-hmm. They used to be. I think an authentic one used to be like two eighty or two ninety. Crazy. That's dude. that's insane. I, the the quality of theirs versus like the Adidas is a good quality jersey. I think. Yeah. No, they're uh, they're real nice. I was really skeptical a couple years ago with all the dots. I thought the dots were really weird, but now like jerseys without the dots, I think look really weird. <laughs> without the, the speckled mesh. shoulders. Yeah. 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 I know. I wanted to go like, I was shocked. Like I was going to go get one of those North American young guns jerseys. And then the price, I was just like, well, yeah. Never mind. Yeah, I uh, I did pick one of those up. I couldn't not. They were so. That's like one of the best looking jerseys I've ever seen. They did such a good job. Oh, the logo is so sick. I mean, the the jersey itself is just beautiful too. Love that yeah. jersey. No, it's the colors are perfect. Uh, yeah. Did you watch the game sevens this weekend? I did. Yep. Pretty crazy. What do you want to talk th- about? What was it? Yeah, five. <laughs> just the fact that there were that many, the fact that i can refer to them as the game sevens how about there hasn't been this many game sevens since 1992 30 years it's crazy it's crazy and the, well, you know what's man. crazy about it too is like that the games weren't like the early on games weren't close. The game there wasn't sucked. A lot of close games yeah it was yeah, just like were... they'd just go back and forth it was it was unreal like i was like this kind of sucks as far as hockey goes now, as it gets later on, when you're starting to talk game five, game six, game seven, they get more interesting because then you're starting to talk about elimination games. So it gets a little and, bit funner to watch. The Tampa Toronto series was the one for me where it was like Andre Vasilevsky and Jack Campbell were just trading off uh, like Vesna performances and getting blown <laughs> out. Vesna performance yeah. get blown out. Like, <laughs> It was just, it was the weirdest ser- like series. And then <clears throat> to your point, games six and seven were like both these phenomenal games down yeah. to the wire, down to the last minute. Um, and, and it seemed like almost every series was like that, except for Dallas Calgary. That one was just super low scoring the whole way through. Um, How about that game know, seven I, though? That, that game seven was all Ottinger. Oh, dude. It was just- Calgary so dominating. I know did, we talked about it earlier, but go ahead. No, no. Did 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 you watch all of it or most of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched all. So of it. I I just his his play goalies are so fun to watch in games like that because you can literally see it progressing as they're getting more and more and more dialed in, and their saves yeah. become a little bit more spectacular and a little bit more spectacular. But like at the same time, their body language becomes calmer. Like that save that he made, I don't remember if it was right at the end of the third or in overtime, but on Gaudreau, it was a rebound from the slot and it was a glove save. Uh, There was like kind of a scramble. There was like kind of a scramble in front of the net. The puck kicked out. I mean, Gaudreau had, I I mean, almost the full four by six. And he just reached up, caught it, and like brought it down. Literally just, so calm, so collected, and it's just so fun to watch them get watch a goalie get into a game like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's it's an awesome, awesome way to. I mean, it would have been 
amazing for them to win the series because like basically that's Ottinger winning that mm-hmm. whole thing for you um because like they had no business really being in that game if you you know you watch it Calgary had a lot of chances now they were gripping their sticks pretty tightly because you're going against a goalie that is just on fire so right. you're seeing them trying to pick corners and they're shooting a lot of pucks wide and just you know fluffing on shots that usually they would be putting in I, I there was one rebound where it came out and it, I guess the puck just wouldn't sit down. I can't remember who was out front, but just all you had to do is tap that puck in and he missed the net. <laughs> so, all right. So I'm so glad you brought this up because I was, I was watching that and you could tell everything you just said, they were getting frustrated. And I talked about it a couple of years ago in the bubble when the abs were playing Arizona and they were playing against Darcy Kemper and getting really yeah. frustrated in those first couple of games. And I remember talking, I don't remember if it was on a pod or if I tweeting out, whatever. I said, they're not, when you get frustrated like that in hockey, you don't take better shots. You just take harder shots. Yeah. And you're really not shooting at anything anymore. Or like you said, you're trying to pick a perfect corner and you end up just causing more problems uh, for yourself. And there was a replay late in the third. I want to say it was Lindholm for Calgary. Took a shot and they showed the slow-mo of it. And literally halfway, or not even halfway, as he's on like the backswing, he puts his head down and he closes his eyes. I'm like, this dude's not even <laughs> looking at the net. He's just, he's just bearing, bearing down, closing his eyes and swinging as hard as he can. To try to just like put this puck through Andre and it and it literally just hit him like right in the chest, swallowed yeah. it up. And I was just like, you're never gonna score a goal shooting like that. Like n- you're yeah. never gonna happen. <laughs> Milan Lucic does that a lot coming down the, like, <laughs> down the wings. <laughs> but you can forgive him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say that's because that's all he's got. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, I mean that was the, the all the game sevens turned out to be really good. We didn't, you know, we didn't get like the fucking Phoenix Suns. What happened to them in their <laughs> game seven? Uh, yeah. What? So it was what two overtimes? Uh, yeah. So you had New then, York Pens. Yep. That was an overtime. OT game. Dallas Calgary. Yeah, Calgary overtime. Dallas. Yeah. Uh, Who else and then have? T- Tampa Toronto was two to one regulation. Yeah. Good, and then I think good game. Yeah, great game. Uh Edmonton LA, I think was what three? Oh, no, it was a shutout. Two there. nothing. Two nothing. Shutout. Yeah. I think. Um That Tampa Toronto game seven, man. I, I again, there's another one I talked about today on the show. There, Tampa's just poise in that last ten minutes when Toronto's just pressing, 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 pressing. Tampa, they never looked like they were running around. They never nope. scrambled and got themselves out of. They didn't do anything. If Toronto was going to score, Toronto had to earn it. Tampa wasn't going to. You know they they weren't going to make the the mistake themselves. They weren't going to shoot yeah. themselves. In the- yeah, in the defensive zone, they just 
boxed in basically home plate, right? Like they stacked mm-hmm. that home plate and were like, yeah, go ahead and shoot from the outside. Um, if you can get it, congratulations, especially when, you know, you've got a world-class goaltender, you can do that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, again, it, it, they, they are so good. Uh, they've won nine straight playoff nine straight series, series now. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. Nine. Unreal. Unreal. So they, and, they understand how to win. Andre Vasilevsky, 17 and 0 following a playoff loss. Yeah. Um, Again, that's another yeah. team. I, I actually picked the Lightning to come out of that round. Yes. Yeah, I had them in seven. Yeah. It just, it just <laughs> felt like it was not a good matchup for the Leafs, like anyone so, but them. And they would have, they would have came out of the first round. Yep. I got a, I got a buddy who lives in Toronto, uh, huge Leaf fan. And, and, you know, I was talking to him and, and he was kind of saying the same thing. He's like, what do you do? Yeah. What do you do? Like you, you, yeah. you pulled Tampa in the first round and you know, one, I, so I picked Tampa in seven. Cause I said, if this gets to seven games, Tampa is stronger mentally and they will be able to handle that moment better than Toronto will. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's I mean, honestly, go ahead. But well, it's, it's reminding me a lot of the abs in that game for the abs this season for the first time. I'm not saying Tampa reminds me of the abs. I'm saying the abs are kind of reminding me of Tampa this year. In that game four, Philip Forsberg scores to make it three to two on the road. Desperate team could have easily been like, you know what? We don't have it tonight. Let's get home, get rested, sleep in our own beds, yep. wrap it up in game five. And, and there was no panic in their game. They just kind of kept doing what they were doing. Devon Taves comes down, scores a goal, and, like, big goal. Nashville's, you know, jumping into the glass, dogpiling, all stuff. And Devon Taves gives, like, a little fist pump. And he's like, ah, oh, yeah, I knew it would go in. <laughs> and that was how Tampa looked last night or two nights ago, yeah. whatever it was. Like, eh, I wasn't too worried about it. I knew we'd hold on. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the mindset you need to be in in the playoffs. Like, you know, let's talk about Avalanche last year. Um, there's a game mm-hmm. where they go down against Vegas and it's like, okay, well, we'll just go home. We'll get game three or game four, excuse me. At that point, yeah. we'll be up three, one. And you, you can't do that. You don't have that luxury in the playoffs to think that, oh, we'll just, you know, we, we'll turn it back on or this team, we can beat them the next night. Right. Like that's a bad like mindset to be in during the playoffs. And the teams yeah. with killer instincts understand that. And I think that's and, that's where you have the abs this year. Is like they they've been through it. They've been through the process of being eliminated a bunch of times yeah. in the second round. And uh, I, I I think that's like that's on their mind that we're not going to do the same thing that we've done in the past moving forward. It's finally, it's finally. It looks like it's finally being drilled into them. And on the flip side of that, to your point of like you can't let teams like that get. You can't let teams with the killer instinct get that bit of momentum because Toronto had them on the ropes. They had them on the ropes in game six and they take two high sticking penalties. Whatever you think about the high sticking penalties, the first one looks like it maybe would have missed him or it maybe could have missed him, but I don't want to necessarily relitigate that. The head snap thing. He got him in the shoulder. The shoulder pad came up. Anybody's natural instinct would be to throw your head back. But you know, they end up putting themselves in a five on three. And I knew it. I said, they kill the five on three. They'll get out of this game. 
Yeah. If, if they can kill the five on three, I believe they'll hold on for the rest of this game and the series is done. I said, but if Tampa scores to tie it, they're going to come back and win. And then Toronto can't yeah. handle it in game seven. Yeah. And, and, and because they did exactly what you just said, you can't do. They gave Tampa a team with that killer instinct. They gave them just, they gave them an, an opening this big. It's like dope. All we needed. And now we know how to close this out. That's so funny that you said that because I was watching that game with my son and I said the same thing. I was like, if they score here, like they're going to win the series. <laughs> and my son's yeah. like, well, how can you tell him? I was like, because like, this is, this is the straw that breaks the camel's back right here for Toronto. And it, you know, it it's just, the it's media so- is harsh up there. There's like mind yep. games going on with the players. Like they've been, you know, they've been bitten by this in the past already a few times. <laughs> And they're, yep. they're starting to get that as like they choke in the playoffs and that stuff right. just creeps into the players as much as they want to block it out. It's still yeah. just sitting back there. When, when and you left. have a losing culture and, and I think Toronto is getting there. And again, this is something the abs have had to fight through, you know, yeah. for the last, since 2007, it's hard to break that cycle and that, and that small little voice in the back of your head but the reason that you could tell that that five on three meant the series was because you saw the look on their face that they all said, oh, damn it. This is how it happens. I think that's we the game, right? This- where they panned, they panned they over to Austin game. Matthews. Yeah. They panned yeah. over to Austin Matthews who was on the bench. And when that goal went in, he just put his head down uh, right on the right. boards. And you're just like, that's, that's your leader right there. That's not good. Right. And, and when you, when you're a franchise like that and, and you know, we saw it with the abs for the, for 15 years, we've seen it with the Broncos here in Denver, the last five years, you, you find ways to lose and everyone, the fans, the GM, the coaches, the players, you're waiting for it. I remember watching this documentary about the Cubs, uh, it was the it was the one with the why can't I ever remember his name the kid who reached over and broke up the foul ball play. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I know I can't remember his name, but I know what you're talking his name. about. Yes. It doesn't matter. But there, there's a, a thirty. Excuse me. There's a thirty for thirty on it. And that guy had to move out of Chicago. Yeah, dude. He well, he, the best part was he moved. Uh, he moved to Florida, which is <laughs> they were. I think he moved to Miami and they were playing the Marlins in that game. And so he ended up moving to the city where the, the opposing team was from in that game. Which I saw this uh, but there's, there's a fan that they interview who was at those games or at the game. And he was filming it on a, on a camcorder. Um, and he said, you know, cause that was before they had broken the curse. And he talks about how there was a nervous energy and everyone was just really on edge because how could this finally be happening? How could it finally be true? And they brought in someone, I think like Billy Mack or something like that, to uh, sing for the seventh inning stretch. And instead of uh, root for the Cubbies, he said root for the champs. And he said that there were a bunch of people in the stands like, why did he say that? Why would he say that? <laughs> Why would he say it and, and potentially jinx it? And it was right after that that all this stuff happened. 
the the play happens, uh, you know, at the wall and they don't get the out and they, you know, the Cubs end up blowing the game. Everyone in the stands was waiting for something to happen to ruin the game. And the Maple Leafs have the same thing that's following them around right now. The fans, everyone in the building was waiting. I guess that one was in Tampa, but you know what I'm saying? Everyone who was a Leaf fan was waiting for the moment that things went wrong and they couldn't close out the game. And as soon as the arm went up for the second penalty, the players felt it, the coaches felt it, and everybody that's Toronto Maple Leaf felt it. This is it. We won't be able to close out this game and then we won't win game seven. Yeah. The worst thing that you could do is uh, overreact to this and start trading pieces right now. I think that team is good. I think it is a, just a mindset thing. I think they have a great setup over there. Like, I I wouldn't touch a thing. It's just like, get, get some sports psychologist in there and start having yeah. some, like, you know, off-season, let's talk about what's going on in our head when we're playing games type of, you know, well, meetings. <laughs> and this is the first time I think I feel like that about that Toronto group. Yeah. I I think a bunch of their past teams, it's been like, I don't know, something maybe needs to change. I think this is the first year where it's like, you can hang your hat on that series and say, we pulled the two-time defending champs and, you know, lost by one in game seven. It's a heartbreaking loss again, but you didn't blow a 3-1 lead to Montreal. It's true. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You got a good, Um, you got a good goalie too. So, yeah, if they can out. keep him, if they can keep him, he's True. also a UFA. Is he a UFA? What is it? What is uh-huh. his uh, price? That's he's pretty low. And actually, I heard today on 32 Thoughts Friedman saying um, that he heard the offer was like, like, and I don't remember the exact number, but like in the ballpark of three million. It's like two or three really? years, three million. Yeah. I I think he fell apart so much in the back half that yeah UFA his um let's see here his cap hit salary 1.8 cap hits 1.65 that so is three cheap. is a nice little raise for him yeah <laughs> yeah um blaze let's do this again this week I uh I've got to run and pick up Hannah from the light rail uh, but let's do this again dude i just i uh this went exactly as i hoped i always i always love yeah. you and i start getting to like some real good hockey conversations and we have to do an ad read and all that stuff so uh <laughs> yeah let's let's just let's just keep doing this yeah no this was fun so uh cool no dude thank you for taking the time out i was giving you shit before we started i i forget all the time that you're a hockey parent and like you have almost nothing for free time uh, so thanks thanks for sparing a few uh, minutes for a little old me oh there's a little bit of a gap for a little bit and then uh hockey starts back up this summer with workouts and everything for uh yeah. next year so, yeah there you go uh cool i think i'll see you tomorrow yep tomorrow well, are you coming in or are you you're covering the game aren't you yeah but i think i'll be doing a little bit of both i think i'll be okay pre and post or pre or post i'm not really sure i'll be around though sweet yeah i'll be there sweet jesse and blaze thanks guys so much for listening uh sticking around almost an hour today and uh we will talk to you guys more tomorrow